Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. I welcome to your Monday, May 3rd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Five games left for the Philadelphia Flyers, and the final five begins tonight as the Flyers will take on the Pittsburgh Penguins at the Wells Fargo Center. It is a back-to-back situation, both at the Wells Fargo Center today and tomorrow. And then I'll have a couple days off on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, non-game days, before taking on the Washington Capitals on Friday and Saturday, another back-to-back, this time on the road in D.C. And then they'll wrap up the season a week from today on May 10th against uh, a team we just saw the last four. And the Flyers lost the last three out of four against uh, that would be the New Jersey Devils. But tonight, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers. And unfortunately, the rivalry is not something that you can really accentuate with the game tonight. The Pens right now sitting in the top spot in the East Division with 71 points. Flyers sitting in the sixth spot in the East Division with just 51 points. It's astounding the run that the Penguins have gone on and uh, the fact how far the Flyers have dropped since the first six weeks of this NHL season. Uh, Two teams headed in different directions when really the the philosophy and the thought process heading into this season that the Flyers were a young team on the rise and the Penguins were an aging team falling. And it's been nothing but the opposite this season for for each of these teams. The Pens have been stunningly good. Uh, I didn't see it coming. I thought that they were a team that was dropping off a team that hadn't won a playoff series in a few years and a team that wouldn't have made the playoffs last year had the uh, expanded playoffs not happened so I'm stunned at at what the Pens have done they're 7-2-1 in their last 10 they've won two straight they're good on the road at 14-11-1 excellent at home at 24-2 and the Flyers at home this season game under 500 10-11-4 on the road 12-11-3 Penguins are a plus 36 when it comes to goal differential. The Flyers a minus 42, same as the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Flyers against the Pens this season, they've already played six times. Flyers have a record of 4-2 and 0 against the Pens, and uh, they've allowed three goals per game and scored 3.67 goals per game. But a lot of those games obviously were early in the season, especially the first two, which were both in Philadelphia. They kicked off the season on the 13th and 15th of January. Flyers got a 6-3 win and a 5-2 win. And in that second game, they chased Tristan Jari uh, from that game and uh, got to the backup goaltender, Casey DeSmith. Then the Flyers played them for three straight in Pittsburgh on March 2nd, 4th, and 6th. Flyers lost uh, the first one and the third one of that three-game set, won the middle game. And remember, that middle game, they got down 3 to nothing in that game and climbed all the way back and got a regulation win uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got down 3 nothing in the first three minutes and 57 seconds of the game, as a matter of fact, but climbed all the way back and got the win. And, and that getting down in games, that's been the big story for this team. It's been one of, one of the issues. It's a big issue. They have now given up the first goal in a game in 10 straight games and in 19 of their last 21 games. And you cannot chase the scoreboard in the sport of hockey. Uh, Their sixth game against the Penguins was on April 15th. The Flyers got a 2-1 shootout victory in that one in Pittsburgh. And then, of course, they'll wrap up the season series with the game tonight and tomorrow night at the Wells Fargo Center. So it's the Flyers and the Penguins for two and two nights, tonight and tomorrow night. 
and uh, then we'll be on to a couple of days off and on to the Washington Caps and then the season finale against the New Jersey Devils. But what I wanted to get into in this episode was I, I, I've been seeing a lot on social media, and I try not to judge too much from social media, uh, but I also got a DM uh, from a guy on a couple of occasions and asking me, not, not being a jerk or anything, but just asking me, how can Vino survive? How can this coaching staff survive? They need to get rid of the coaching staff and with what's going on this season. And while I, I don't think the coaching staff is, you know, void of blame, I think that it's part of the equation. I think it's been the confluence of a lot of factors this season. Um, the coaching staff has not been able to find answers to some what are probably some really complex questions. We would know kind of what those questions are and what those answers are a little bit better in a normal year where we're around the locker room, in the locker room, you know, after games, and and also the media is able to do face-to-face interviews and one-on-ones. That hasn't been the case. Everything's done via Zoom teleconference, all availabilities. So it's far different from a feel standpoint for media and, and people around the team. So it's, it's a little harder to put a finger on for, for us as media or, you know, analyst or whatever you call it. But that being said, you know, so we don't know exactly what those issues are. It's harder to get guys one-on-one off the record for, for beat writers and those kind of things as well. But obviously, it's it's not just one thing. It's multiple things that have been an issue this season. And, you know, this notion of, you know, parting ways with the coaching staff I guess, you know, a lot of times when a team does not perform up to expectations, uh, at the end of it all, we want a body. Somebody's got to pay for it. You want a body, right? Like in the Unforgiven movie, uh, they took Ned and they put him outside uh, the saloon in the coffin. You you want somebody, a body to show for it, a sacrificial lamb, whatever you call it. And every coach is hired to be fired. Uh, I understand that. But with this situation... And Chuck Fletcher was asked about it at his trade deadline availability if there would be any changes to the coaching staff, is basically is the coaching staff um, safe? And, and, he, and when asked if there would be any changes to the coaching staff or there would be any changes with the coaching staff, he said no. And that was it. There was no expounding on his answer. It was a very definitive no. The coaching staff is not going anywhere. They're coming back. And you do have to look at what took place the year prior where Elaine Vigneault was the runner-up for the Jack Adams. He did a phenomenal job. He preached accountability. He talked about accountability, both behind the scenes with players and publicly, and pushed all the right buttons. This year, it's been harder to find the right buttons because some of the issues, like we just talked about, giving up the first goal in a game, they've done it 10 times in a row and 19 of their last 21 games. But I, I hearken back and I go, well, what is the responsibility of the head coach? Is it the head coach's responsibility to get professional athletes, NHL players, ready to play a game when players know what time the game starts? I've never thought that that is, is a head coach's job. I think that's a player's responsibility to get his team mentally ready to start a game. Now, it's a coach's responsibility to have them strategically ready, prepared strategically on what they want to do and what they want to accomplish, how to attack a team, how to limit a team, and all of those things. And it, has it been more difficult on this coaching staff in that regard this year? Perhaps. Uh, but it has been for everybody. So that's not an excuse. 
you know, the team not coming out ready to play in first periods of games is is something that I don't put on the coaching staff. I put that on players. Now, some people disagree. And I, I just I kind of go back to the question of if you fire the coaching staff, what does that accomplish? And you always have to ask yourself a question when you want to get rid of a coach and say, if not him, who? Okay, so who do you want to replace Elaine Vigneault with? And you, look, you can give good answers. There's gonna, there's good NHL and professional caliber coaches out there that could do a good job, absolutely. But to me, moving on from the coaching staff is letting players off the hook. And there's been some, a lot of coaches that have come through here. Peter Laviolette was here, had a lot of success. But eventually, and, and when he was let go, it was the right time. He wears guys out. And he doesn't have a long shelf life anywhere. He goes in, he gets results quickly, and then eventually he needs to be let go because it's not going to work for a long period of time with the way that he is uh, as a head coach and the way he leans on players. You know, you had a guy in Craig Berube who was here. It was his first NHL head coaching job. He went on to St. Louis and in his second stint, uh, did a great job, won a Stanley Cup, and, and, and is a really good head coach. Uh, Dave Hackstall was a first-time NHL head coach, uh, coming from the collegiate ranks. Uh, did some, I, d- I think, did some really good things, and especially with the development of some young players, uh, had some areas of weakness, and eventually he was let go because the team didn't move forward. And you know, and then they hired Elaine Vigneault, who was a highly pedigreed professional head coach, one of the top head coaches on the planet, and in his first year had tremendous success and shaved a lot of goals from the year prior, uh, year to year, uh, scored more goals year to year. Special teams were better year to year. But all of that has really fallen off, obviously, this season. Flyers 31st in the NHL in goals allowed, not up in the top half of the NHL in goals scored. Uh, they are a team that has special teams have been an absolute mess this season. The penalty kill, 30th in the league. Power play, probably around 20th at this point in the NHL. Uh, and, and those things, those are valid criticisms with special teams. And you could look at some of the assistant coaches and Mike Yo, who handles the penalty kill, or Michelle Tarian, uh, who handles the power play. Have, have those units been uh, bad because of tactic or scheme or strategy? You could make the case that, yeah, they have been. Uh, but again, to me, letting go of the coach after this season uh, is not the route I would go. I would go in more in a route of serious roster change. I I think you have to change the dynamic. And while changing the coach does change the dynamic without question, but I think, and you could say do both, right? Why can't you do both? Get rid of the coaching staff and change the roster. And you absolutely can. I just don't think that the coach deserves to be let go for this season. And I think he is a really good coach. I think the breakdowns, aren't because he's not communicating with his players. I think it's the players not executing. The one thing that has not wavered this season with Elaine Vigneault has been accountability. I mean, we've heard him talk in public, call guys out. He has scratched guys with with frequency this season, from Travis Konechny, who was their leading goal scorer the year prior, to uh, uh, Phil Myers on multiple occasions. We've seen just about everybody be scratched. I mean, Robert Haig, obviously, Sam Moran, Shane Gossespierre. I mean, Gossespierre was waived. You look at players 
up and down the lineup, Kevin Hayes was a healthy scratch on what would have been his 500th NHL game. So accountability is still there. And I just think that what's going on this season, while it has not been a great season for Elaine Vigneault and the coaching staff, obviously, you, you have to find answers, and they have been unable to find answers. Um, but I think they should come back, and I would I would make the changes if I were the GM more in that realm of roster construction and fit. That's where I would go. So I know a lot of people disagree, and and the look at his time when he was with the New York Rangers or his time when he was with Vancouver, he had a lot of success there early, and then yeah, eventually. Uh, you know, you pay a price when you have success f- for a lot of teams, and it's not sustainable. Got those two teams to a Stanley Cup final. Didn't win the Cup in e- either one of those situations, but uh, he's a high-level, high-pedigree coach, and I-, I would not be in-, in favor of moving on from him or the coaching staff this offseason uh, because uh, of what's taken place. Uh, I would put the onus more on changing, making changes on the roster, making changes with fit, and making changes in, in, in mindset, not in the voice, the voice that is, is preaching what needs to happen strategically, what needs to happen in preparation, what needs to happen to be a professional. I, I think players need to be professional athletes and be pros. And every day you have to come and you have to get better every day and you have to play each and every game like it's your last. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. And if you play with that mindset, then uh, you know knowing that nothing is given to you at the NHL level, making the NHL is one thing, staying in the NHL is the hard part. Uh, I think players need to realize that. And letting go of the coaching staff, I don't think that helps them realize that. I think that that, that gives a little bit of an alibi. And, and, and to me, I think it would be a shame if the coaching staff were to be uh, sent packing uh, based on what has happened this season. I think it's, I know a lot of people disagree, but I, I think it's, this is more of a player's execution and professionalism. And this isn't just one player. It's, it's obviously multiple players that need to, to take their game to another level. I think there's some guys on this team that have played honest every game. There's there's three guys I think of right away that I think have played an honest game every game this season for the most part. Have they been perfect? No, no, absolutely not. I think Ivan Provorov he's had he's had some struggles this season, but I think he's put out an honest effort each and every time he has stepped on that ice for a game. I think the captain Claude Giroux has done the same thing. Absolutely, 100% an honest player, and I think Sean Couturier has as well. Uh, not to say that other players haven't. But when I watch those three players in particular, I feel like I know that those guys go out with the right intent, the right preparation, and have not taken anything for granted. But you need everybody pulling that rope in the same direction, and they all got to be there. That's what it takes, and that's why it necessitates change. Flyers-Penguins tonight for the first of two. Everybody, thanks for listening. Enjoy your hockey tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow. We'll have a day after game and a day of game edition of Flyers Daily tomorrow. Have a great Monday. Do the best you can. If you have a a disagreement with anything I said, tweet me, at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Day. We're almost honest. Almost.